Come on, somebody, it's time to get out of your weary body. It's time to get out of your flesh. It's time to give God praise. It's time to have church. Come on, when I look back over my life and I think things over. When I see the hell that God brought me out of. I can't help but to give him glory. I can't help despite of me being tired, despite of me being weary, despite of the trouble. I got to give him glory. Come on, somebody, I dare you to just lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Come on, let your praises rise. Let your praises rise. My God. That's all right. That's all right. Come on, somebody, just lift him up. Just lift him up before we move forward. I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to move forward, but I just wonder before we can even move forward right here, Right here, if we can just settle something. God, I'm going to lay it all down tonight. God, I'm going to lay it all down. Come on. I might have come heavy, but I'm coming. I might have come out, come heavy, but I'm leaving with the garment of praise. I'm leaving with a praise on my lips. I'm, I'm walking out of this house with victory in my hands. Because you know what? I'm a house of victory. I'm a house of victory. Let's clap our hands one more time and give God some praise. Come on, somebody clap your hands like you mean it. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Isn't God good? That's right. That's right, Desmond. Isn't God good? That's right. My God. You know, I just feel something special in this house tonight. I feel like God's getting ready to do something. I feel like God's getting ready to do something supernatural. Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you all, each and every one of you, for being here. I want to thank all of our guests and visitors who are in the house on this Tuesday night. Amen. 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 I have the distinct privilege and honor to bring to you all the word of the Lord tonight. And I, uh, <clears throat> I don't take that lightly. You know, God has put something in my spirit a couple weeks ago. And Bishop, you know, he, he, he uh, <clears throat> texted me and he asked me to deliver the word of the Lord. <clears throat> and um, I just want to thank God for our bishop. Aren't you glad that you have a man of God in your life? Bishop, if you're watching this, I love you. I love you. Just like what Judah said, he's my daddy too, amen? <laughs> if y'all don't know, I am the older adopted brother of Isaac and Judah. I know we don't look alike, but you know. <laughs> but um, I just, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Thankful for my lovely wife. Amen. Babe, I love you. You're the best. You're the best wife in the world. Now, I know that Bishop and First Lady aren't here, but, and I feel like sometimes, not this church, but I just feel like sometimes people may think that, you know, because the, the leader is gone, because the pastor, the bishop is gone, that we can just take, we can just take it easy. But I know not at this church. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. We can have church tonight just like if Bishop and First Lady were here with us. Amen. Amen. That's great trust that a bishop and first lady have, that they can leave the house of God and know that their saints are here having church anyhow. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can stand all across this house. I have two portions of scripture for you. Amen. Amen. First portion of scripture is the book of Micah. Chapter 7. Second portion of scripture is Proverbs 24. <clears throat> and as you're turning there, I just want to thank all my wonderful youth. Y'all, I love you. Y'all are my heartbeat. I love you guys. If I don't tell you enough, just know I love you, each and every one of you. Amen. <clears throat> Micah chapter 7, verse number 8. The Bible says this. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Woo! Somebody say, I shall arise. Somebody say, I shall arise. Somebody say, I shall arise. Next portion of scripture, I just want to go to the first portion of Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 16. The Bible says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth, riseth up again. And for a few moments tonight, if y'all preach with me, we'll get, we'll get through with this. Amen? I want to preach for just a few moments. I'm getting back up. Come on, somebody. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm getting back up. Can you turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm getting back up. Hallelujah. Amen. If you promise to preach with me, you can be seated. Amen. <clears throat> Y'all, we're going to be here and then we're going to be gone. I promise. Okay. Amen. <clears throat> On December 1st, 2018. Former world boxing heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder would take on Tyson Fury. In front of a crowd of 18,000 people, two giants would go toe-to-toe -to -toe in 12 three-minute rounds of hand-to-hand -hand combat. With both boxers being undefeated, this was portrayed to be one of the best fights of the year. Deontay Wilder standing at a booming height of six feet seven inches weighing 212 pounds. The boxer is known as the bronze bomber and he wasn't to be taken lightly. Amen. Wilder was known for his heavy right hand that would knock people out within a couple of rounds. Having won 40 fights with 39 of them resulting in a knockout. This dude was not to be messed with. My God. <clears throat> Tyson Fury, otherwise known as the Gypsy King, stood at six feet, nine inches tall, weighing 256 pounds. He was known for his aggressive fighting style and being light on his feet, having won 27 fights with 19 of them being a knockout. This old boy wasn't one to be messed with either. Now, if you think, oh, well, three minutes around, that's not bad. Look, now, if you want to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with these giants for 36 minutes straight, y'all go ahead. You just tell me about it later. Now, these two giants, they matched each other punch for punch over the first eight rounds. Excuse me. 
<clears throat> a combination of stiff jabs, head swivels, and uppercuts, the two seemed to be tied. However, in round nine, Deontay Wilder hit Fury with a short left hook, followed by an overhand right, which caused him to fall to the mat. Beating the referee's count, Fury got up and continued to fight with Wilder. In rounds 10 and 11, Fury gained the upper hand over Wilder by avoiding swings and placing accurate shots. In the final round of the fight, Wilder connected a right-left right combination that left Fury on his back. With the crowd going crazy, the, comment, the commentators and the crowds thought the fight was over, but Tyson Fury got up on the sixth count to continue his battle with the Bronze Bomber. Eventually, the round ended and the fight was over. With the win going to decision, the judges' score cards read 115 to 111, 114 to 112, and 113 to 113, with the fight ending in a draw. Now, Tyson Fury might have got up and kept fighting, but his match ended in a stalemate. But let me tell you, something happens when God gets up. That's a different story. Amen. Can I, just read us a, can I just read us a quick scripture? The Bible says in Psalm 68 and 1, it says, Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let me tell you, something happens when God gets up. Something happens when you get God's attention and it causes him to get off his throne and say, let me take a look at what's going on. Something happens when God gets up. Amen. Amen. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. When God gets up, demons begin to tremble. Sickness begins to flee. Chains are broken. Let me tell you something incredible happens when God gets up. Somebody shout, let God arise. Amen. Your faith begins to rise when you call on the Lord and he gets up. Because when he gets up, all of heaven stands at attention. All of the hosts of heaven are ready to move at the calling of God when God gets up. When God gets up and ready to move, you see all of heaven lining up saying, Sir, where would you like me to go? Sir, who would you like me to go to? Something happens when God gets up. But in order for God to arise in your life, you have to cry out to him. If the people of God want to see God get up, you need to make up in their minds that I can't get through this by myself. That I can't go through this circumstance by myself. I need God to get up. I need God to arise. Amen. A perfect example of this is the children of Israel. They were in bondage for 400 years, Brother Desmond. And there was one point in time where, you know what? They could not take it anymore. So they began to cry and they began to weep and they began to, to seek the Lord saying, God, would you save us? God, would you set us free? God, would you take and break these chains of bondage from us? And this is what the word of the Lord says. And there was a point in time where God couldn't take it any longer. God was hearing their cry for so long. He says, you know what? I can't. I can't just sit here and watch. I got to do something about this. And this is what it says, Exodus 2, 24 and 25. It says, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. God calls later for a man by the name of Moses to, to deliver God's people. And this is what he said to Moses, 
Exodus 3, 7 and 8 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know, I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Your response, your deliverance is banked off of your cry. Just like if you want the word of God to be true in your life, you got to mix it with your faith. If you believe Acts 2 and 38, if you believe that you got to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name to make it to heaven, then you got to have faith that when you call on that name, that demons begin to tremble. When you call on the name of Jesus, that my circumstance begins to change. Amen. Amen. It was all on their cry. Somebody shout their cry. It got to the point when God couldn't take it anymore. He kept hearing the cries of the people, begging for help, begging for deliverance. And you know what? And God, he got up. Let me ask this church a question, because I'll be asking myself this as well. What would happen if God's people began to cry out to him right now? Who has a need in this house? If you have a need in this house, now would be the perfect time to just say, you know what? Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you now more than I did yesterday. God, I need more power today. God, I need some deliverance today. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Whew, Jesus. Another example is Moses in the wilderness. Now that, that psalm we quoted, Psalm 68 and 1, David directly quotes it from Moses. And Moses is getting ready to leave Mount Sinai. And he takes God's people closer to the promised land. And as they move forward, they have the Ark of the Covenant and they go out before them. The Ark of the Covenant goes out before them. Now, Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant meant the literal presence of God. So what they were doing is they were sending God to go out before them. And then Moses Moses prayed. He said, rise up, Lord, in Numbers 10 and 35. He said, rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered. He said, before we even step any further, God, I need you to go forward. I need you to clear the land. God, I need you to make us ready. God, I need you to rise up. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you get up, that your enemies be scattered. Woo. Amen. David quotes this same prayer, and that's what he writes in Psalm 68 and 1. The ark is on its way to Jerusalem after a victory, and he says the same thing. He says, God, arise. Somebody just say, God, arise. Somebody say, God, arise. But these three stories have something in common. All of these people, they fell to sin. The children of Israel kept messing up with idolatry. Moses had an anger problem. And David, Lord have mercy, David. David had a lot going on. <laughs> David had some issues, amen? Amen. <clears throat> the children of Israel were able to get victory physically, but they continued to fall spiritually. So God did something a little different this time. He got up, but he got up in a different way. So what God ended up doing is he came down to be born of a woman and defeat the devil at his own game. God was no longer just a spirit who dwelt in heaven, but now he was Emmanuel, God with us. 
He came to experience what we came to experience. He walked in our world for 33 and a half years and experienced the life of poverty, experienced being hated, experienced being hungry and thirsty. But you know what? That's why I can call on him even more because he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He knows exactly what it's like to maybe miss a meal. He he knows what it's like to maybe not live a life of luxury. He knows what it's like to live in a life of poverty. He knows what it's like to be thirsty, to be hungry, to be hated. And that's why I can call on him because he's a God that understands. He's a God that knows my trouble. He's a God that knows me. God wants to hear your voice, church. Whenever something's going on, God wants to hear. God's waiting. God's waiting up in heaven to hear. What does my child want? I'm getting ready to move. Child of God, what do you need? Child of God, do you need strength? Child of God, what do you need? Amen. Amen. Musicians, y'all can come help me. This is what I was talking about. See, y'all, I'm almost done. Look at this. <laughs> Whoo. Amen. So Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And Jesus, somebody shout Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. And Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for sin. He took the failures, the sins, the mistakes, and he nailed them to, with himself to the cross, and he died. But let me tell you, three days later, Three days later, something happened that they didn't expect to happen. God got back up from the grave. God got back up and he said, you know what? Now all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Woo. My God. God got up. God got up. My God. And when you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. He gives you that same power to get right back up. That's right. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, and if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, we can baptize you tonight. Because you know what? Somebody, you can't go another day without that power. You can't go another day without getting up. But let me tell you, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, when you're a child of God and you fall, that power that's in Jesus can get you right back up. Woo! Somebody shall power. Somebody shall power. Somebody shall power. That same power that Jesus says that ye shall receive from on high at the day of Pentecost is here tonight. That same power that Jesus had when he rose from the grave, it's here tonight. It's in you. You got the Holy Ghost? Baby, you got power. You got power. You got power. Woo! Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I just go back to our opening scripture then? Somebody, you need to have this message for the devil. It says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, guess what? I'm getting back up. Baby, I'm getting back up. Baby, I'm getting back up. I'm getting up out of my depression. I'm getting up out of my anxiety. 
That same power in the book of Acts is, I'm going to teach all y'all some Greek real fast. Everybody say Deutimus. Deutimus. Now look, you know Greek. So look, that word means explosive power. That's where we get our word dynamite from. So when you get the Holy Ghost, you don't just get regular, maybe uh, whatever you want to call it, power. You get explosive power. You get dynamic power. You get power to tread on serpents. You get power to... Amen. Amen. I'm not staying down forever, devil. I'm not staying down forever. I'm getting back up. But you're not just going to get up. You're going to get up and things be the same. Let me tell you something. Let me read for you a scripture. Romans 8 and 11, it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the de dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That word quickeneth means make alive. You know what? Because Jesus was dead and then he came back and he was alive. Just way the same way that you might be dead. You might have been dead in your sins. But when you got baptized, God filled you with the Holy Ghost. He made you a new creature. Whew. Come on, somebody, let's lift him up. Come on, somebody, let's lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm telling you, I feel God's about to do something in this house. Come on, I don't want to jump. I don't want to try and jump ahead, but let me tell you somebody, you can get back up. You can get back up. My God. What do we think this scripture means? Romans 8 and 11. It means that I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up with power. My marriage is getting back up. My health is getting back up. My finances are getting back up. I'm getting up from my depression. I'm getting up from my anxiety. I'm getting up from my sickness. I'm getting up. Somebody shout, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm not being defeated anymore because I'm Hooper Nikael. I'm more than a conqueror. God has made me more than a conqueror. That's why I can get back up when I'm having a rough day. That's why when things are going on, I can get back up. Woo! Somebody lift your hands right now. Somebody lift your hands right now. He Come on, you can get back up. Come on, you can get back up. You can get back up. Come on, who am I talking to on this Tuesday night? Come on, God knows where you're at. God can, God's telling you, you can get right back up. Come on, you can get up. Woo. That's right, that's right. Somebody, somebody just lift your hands. Come on, I'm just going to keep going. But what happens? What are you going to do when you fall? What are you going to do when you fall? What are you going to do when you come short? Because this is what the scripture says. It says, not if I fall, but it says when I fall. What's going to be your response? What are you going to do when you fall, church? What's going to happen? That's right, you're going to get up. 
my God. You can say, well, Pastor John, you just don't know what I did. You don't know the kind of stuff that I've been doing behind closed doors where no one can see. You don't know the kind of websites that I've been going on my phone at 3 in the morning. You don't know the kind of things that I've been looking at. You don't know the thoughts that I've been thinking. Whew. Pastor John, I keep failing. This life we try to live is too hard. Maybe I'll just try my old life that I used to live. Can I remind you of a story in the book of John? We read how after Jesus rises up from the dead, that he visits the disciples. And specifically, he's looking for Thomas. And this is what he says. Now, mind you, Peter was there because the Bible says the disciples were there. And he comes and he says, Thomas, I've come for you. Now, mind you, this is after Peter has denied Jesus three times. And he says, Thomas, I'm here for you. And Thomas wasn't even there. So Jesus ends up leaving. Maybe without shaking a hand, without maybe saying goodbye, he ends up leaving. And then eight days later, he comes back with Thomas there. And he says, Thomas, I'm here for you. And all the while, Peter's in the corner thinking to himself, I'm such a failure. I messed up. I denied you. I don't deserve this. I denied you. I've messed up too many times. And this is what Peter does. Jesus. John 21 and 3 says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. You know what that means? He says, I'm going back to my old life. And he tried to go back to his old life. But let me tell you, your old life has nothing for you. Come on, somebody. Your old life has nothing for you. Come on. You know, you know what's the crazy thing is the devil tries to lie to you, lie to us, Sister Tabitha, and says the world, the life we used to live back out there was better. But you know what Jesus says? He says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Let me tell you, the best life to live is an apostolic. One God, tongue talking, aisle running. This is the best life to live as a Christian, filled with the Holy Ghost, walking in victory. This is the best life to live. That's why I don't even have to look back. I don't have to go back. Because where I think about where he brought me from. He said, I go a fishing. I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to the job I used to do. I'm going back to the friends that I used to be with. And then Jesus comes. And it's funny because if you read the scripture, it says that they were toiling all night. Brother Eddie, they were toiling. They were working all night. And they couldn't catch anything. And then, the funny thing is, is when Jesus shows up, he tells them, he says, I want you to get back in the boat, and I want you to go and fish again. And it reminds me of, that's exactly where Jesus found Peter. Because remember, the first time that they met, he says, I want you to go into the boat, and I want you to cast your net on this side. 
And he says, Lord, we've been toiling all night. But he says, can you trust me? Can you just cast your net into this side? And then that's when Jesus calls Peter. And he says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And we find Peter back in the same rut, trying to do the same thing. And he's right back where Jesus found him in the first place. And he listens and he says, Jesus says, well, why don't you go ahead and try this spot over here? And they do. And they, they catch a boatload of fish and they bring it. And they bring it back to the shore. And they eat together. And then this is what Jesus says. He says, Peter, he says, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord. And he says, lovest thou me more than these? I just, you know, <clears throat> this is just my own version. But I just think that, you know, maybe he was sitting across from him at the fire. And he says, you love me more than this stuff here? You know, these fish, the boat, the fishing, you love me more than this stuff? And he says, yes. Yes, God, yes. Yes, God, you know I love you. And he asks him again. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than your old life? And he says, God, you know I do. God, I left everything behind for you. And he says, feed my sheep. You know what that just tells me Jesus said? He said, Peter, why don't you get on up? Why don't you get on up? Peter, I know that you might have left, but Peter, I want you to get back up. Come on, get back up. I know you might have thought that I left you, but get back up. I never left you at all. I've been waiting to this moment to meet you the whole time. Peter, get back up. You can say, what do I do when I fall? I feel so unworthy. I feel so guilty. Can I remind you of the story of David? We can stand all across this house for those who aren't standing. I'm almost done. Now, David was supposed to be at war. Shout out to all my youth who was at youth service. Right place, wrong time. That was his castle. It's where he lived. But it just wasn't his time to be there. <clears throat> Shameless plug, you got to be at youth service. And he ended up, because he was at the, the right place but the wrong time, he ended up stealing another man's wife getting her pregnant. Then he planned the murder of that man. And what did God do? God sent the prophet, Nathan. And he gave him a parable and he said, there is a man who loved his sheep, but then a rich ruler came and stole the sheep. And David said, that man should die. And Nathan said, David, thou art the man. What are you going to do when God corrects you? What are you going to do when we get to a service and it gets tight and you feel the word of God go forth and it might, it might rub you a little bit different? What are we going to do? You know what, David? He could have thought to himself, well, I've already messed up already. Let me just continue in my sin. But let me tell you, that's not what David did. And David, mind you, did not have the Holy Ghost. I want you to read your scripture. It says 2 Samuel 12 and 20. 2 Samuel 12 and 20. This is what the Bible says. It says, Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. <laughs> Somebody, 
Somebody, you just need to come back and you just need to lift your hands and worship. Come on, you want to know how to get out of your situation? You want to know how to get back up? You got to lift your hands and you got to worship. Come on, let's worship all across this house. I'm almost done. But just before we continue, let's just worship. Last thing. Come on, let's just continue to pray. It's all right. We find David at the end of his life, hold and gray, running into trouble. And Adonijah begins to exalt himself and declare that he is, in fact, the new king. And there's chaos in the kingdom. And Solomon's mother, Nathan the prophet, and a priest come and tell David what's going on. And David tells them to grab Solomon and anoint him and make him king. And during this time, this is when David wrote Psalm 37. <clears throat> and Psalm 37, we can go through the whole thing, but for the sake of time, we're just going to jump into the 23rd and 24th uh, scripture. Josue, come up here for a second, Bubba, if you don't mind. Josue, wherever he's at. Yes, sir. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Now let me break this scripture down to you. Because, you know, we don't see it up here. But the Bible says, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with. That him with, in your King James Version, is italicized. Which means that in the original scripture, it wasn't really there. So this is what it really says. It says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth his hand. And I can just imagine David looking back over his life. And he remembered what God had promised him. And he says, when I fell, see, I might have fallen, but God had me by the hand the whole time. It seems like I might fall. It seems like nothing's going to work, but God's got you the whole entire time. That's when, that's why David can look back and write the scripture and say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, because God was helping me get up all the way back then, all the way when I fell and I did something I shouldn't have done, God helped me get back up. Jesus. Jesus. I want to read one more scripture to you. It's actually the continuation. Psalm 37, 23, 24. We're going to go to 25 now. Now I want you to mind you, David is old. David has already sinned. He's already, he's already been there. He's already gotten back up. And this is what he said. He says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Because you know what? David was there one time. David was there when he fell. But you know what he said? He, God got me back up. And I came here on this Tuesday night to tell 
don't you lift your hands all across this house. Come on, somebody. God's going to help you get back up right now. Come on, somebody. God's going to help you get back up right now. Come on, somebody. Come on, you can get back up. Come on, you might have made some mistakes, but you can get back up. But we get up for a say Come on, you can get back up. Come on, you can get back up. Come on, I'm getting back up. You're getting up, child of God. You're getting up from this. But we get up, we fall down. But we get up, we fall down. But we get up. Come on, somebody get up. Somebody, you don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to stay down. You can get back up tonight. Come on, somebody. You can get back up.
Come on, you're coming out of this. You can't get back up. 